Hey guys, so I wanted to stay in touch with you guys and we missed, um, first of all, if you're, if you're listening to this and, uh, you don't know what this is, this is, um, for my youth group, um, which we call ourselves Fuel and we, uh, attend Threads Church in Millwood in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And, uh, my name's Caleb, I'm the youth pastor uh, these are strange times. We are desperate to stay in touch with people. Clearly, we can't meet for youth group, but I still wanted to get some messages out there, and so I'm hoping that this is a good way to do that. If you don't attend Threads, you don't attend the youth group there, that's fine. Listen in anyway. Um, tell your friends, and uh, I don't know. I don't need this to be a, a this isn't like a, a get famous thing for me. It's it's a bit of a passion project, but it's also um, <laughs> it's a work in progress. <laughs> it's uh, it's gonna be rough while I figure it out. So I apologize for that. Uh, we will get better as we get better with the technology. Um, so to anyone listening, but especially to Fuel. Um, wrote this this thing out and I thought it was pertinent for the times and um, it's just something I, I was uh, came came across um, in conversation naturally and so I've been thinking about it a lot and uh, I'd like to I'd like to see what you think about this so um, what it all comes from is I was... I was talking the other day with a friend, and he, he, so we were, you know, driving in the same car, we had an hour drive both ways, and a lot to talk about, and pretty much the only thing to talk about is the coronavirus and COVID-19, and how we should stay safe, and what the government should do, and what our, our company should do, and, um, He's, you know, nervous like we all are, and he knows that I have a, a background in in theology, and um, I don't know if he was looking for some advice or if he was just stating some of his fears, but he ba- he basically tells me that, uh, he goes, you know, man, I, I don't know much about Revelation, but this sure feels like the end times to me. And I kind of took that as a uh, uh, an opportunity to share what I know about Revelation. Uh, again, I, I don't know if, if this was unsolic- unsolicited advice or, or what, but um, I, I really like Revelation. I, I've studied it a little bit. Uh, it's been a while since I've studied it, but, but I, I, I like it quite a bit. Um, and, and maybe it's the whole doom and gloom thing. Maybe it's because there's dragons and all kinds of fantastical things. That's probably why I got into it when I was younger. Um, but when I got into school and I and I got asked to, to pick a topic one time for a paper, and I picked something, probably, I think it was from like one of Paul's letters, and the professor uh, called me into his office and said... 
you know, you're, you're a senior in this class, you need to pick something harder. <laughs> so, um, he, uh, basically assigned me revelation, which I was fine with. Like, yes, that's a lot harder to dig into, but it's, it was also a really fun challenge. And, uh, I wrote this big, long paper. I'm not going to get into that, um, whole thing. I, I don't even know if I could find it anymore. It's probably on some hard drive somewhere. Um, and I, I didn't really look for it because I, I didn't want that to, to taint what I think now. Um, it influences it, but um, anyway, that's my background on on the little bit of research that I've done into Revelation. Is really just one or two papers in school here and there, and that was five years ago now. So, um, from what I've done since, I uh, um, I, I think it, I think it is more appropriate to to look at. Um, apocalyptic scripture in particular rather than going granular on passages here uh, here and there and because I think that paper was on Revelation 6 specifically and so it was digging into um, the meat of that sort of one package and what we can extrapolate out of it but I want to talk today about um, kind of the larger picture of Revelation in, uh, and and the the Bible as a whole and the structure that it, that it um, comes out of, because I think when we read apocalyptic scripture, um, to do so properly, we have to ground it in context. I mean, that's true with most things, right? You watch the news, or you follow a sports team, or you like jazz or whatever, you sort of need to know some of the context to truly appreciate um, anything about it. So first and foremost, we need to remember what the main function of the Bible as a whole is, and that is God revealing himself to us. Um, There's an important point there. It's God doing the revealing. It's not that we um, can do any amount of work and find out anything about him at all on our own. It's that he chose to reveal himself to us. Now, going back even further in my uh, theological training, I I remember um, this class I took as a freshman, and I was in I was in two classes with the same professor at the same time due to scheduling and weird things. I had done some community college beforehand, and and when you go to um, Dort University where I went. Um, they place you in your first semester. They, they just automatically place you in whatever classes that you need to get done. It's mostly core stuff. And you always take a, a intro to Bible class. Every freshman has to take it. And so I was in that class. But then because I had tested out of some math and some science and things like that, they didn't really know where to put me to fill out my schedule. So I was also in a Reformed Doctrine class with the same professor with all juniors and seniors. So I was in religion 105 or 150, and I was in um, religion 324 or whatever like that, and um, at the same time. So I'm reading hundreds of pages a, a day just to keep up with both of these classes, and it was it was strange to um, be going so deep uh, one day and then not quite as deep, but still pretty deep because of the nature of that professor. Uh, on a different day. And that professor was very strict. Um, 
but quickly became one of, if not my favorite professor at that school. I, I had him for a lot of classes. Um, and so as I'm getting to know him and everything, and, and I realize I'm the only, I'm in this freshman theology class, and I'm the only religion major in there. And so he asked the class one day if there was a flood coming towards an anthill and you couldn't stop it, how would you warn the ant colony? And there was a long pause from my classmates because they were clearly confused by this question. And it's an odd question. And I raised my hand because, I mean, understanding that this is a metaphor, uh, I said, you must become an ant. You must go down on their level and explain it to them in their language, with their stories, their mythology. Now, this is not a perfect metaphor, theologically speaking, but it it sort of opens your mind up to the core thrust of all scripture. God, who is unknowable, makes himself known to his beloved creation in order to save them and call them to himself. That took the rest of the class to, <laughs> to uh, or the rest of the class time to explain that to everyone. Um, and I just laid it out there like, like it was so simple. I think people got kind of stuck on the ant metaphor. Well, I'm going to bring back the ant metaphor in a little while, so, so don't lose that. And if you're really confused by that, um, it's unfortunate that I'm not doing this in a classroom setting. I'm doing this in a podcast, so I, I can't see the confused looks or the hands raised. But um, there will be ways to get in touch with me. If, if you get lost along the way, keep listening, and I hope, I hope that we can get there. But if not, um, you know how to reach me. You will know how to reach me if you don't. Uh, and, and to my students specifically, who I'm sending this out to, um, you already know how to reach me, so problem solved there. So let's keep that in mind. God, who is unknowable, makes himself known to his beloved creation in order to save them and call them to himself. So keep that in mind, because that is the core thrust of all scripture. So let's discuss now the writer of Revelation as well as his audience. So Revelation, it, it's... It's a complicated book, complicated characters, so let's do our best to try to start at the beginning and understand the time and place and the writer uh, and the audience. So Revelation, Revelation, excuse me, Revelation was written by the Apostle John. Most scholars agree that the Apostle John is who wrote it, and he was in his later years, a little bit older. And at this time, he was exiled on a small island uh, named Patmos. That doesn't matter. Um, so he's basically in prison. And we're all a little bit in prison right now. We're exiled on our own little islands, uh, either our bedrooms or our houses, um, the short walks that we get to take each day. Um, I feel very much like John in exile right now, which is another reason why I'm drawn to this letter. So he writes it as a letter to seven churches. Um, And these churches were just beginning to be persecuted by Rome. Um, There's debate over which time of persecution this was, but it's 
almost certainly one of the more early um, persecutions, hence why John feels the need to encourage the believers to resist persecution and hold firm to their faith. Um, there's, if he, if it, it makes sense that this was at this time because if it was any later, they would have been accustomed to persecution a little bit more, and it sort of explains why he uses such strong imagery and such strong metaphors later on in Revelation. Um, but really, those first couple of chapters of Revelation are straightforward letters of encouragement. Um, so when we get sort of into those quote-unquote crazier things in Revelation, um, why why is he using those ways to illustrate? Well, he's trying to tell us that although there is warfare between God and Satan, God will ultimately win. And he illustrates this as I've said, with highly symbolic language, some of which can be interpreted literally. If you want to go that way, I'm not going to judge you, but I would caution against getting too in the weeds about every little thing when you engage in interpreting this book. Um, Think about the time in which John was writing rather than trying to shoehorn things into today's context. He's not writing a letter about Obama or uh, I only bring that up because my grandpa, you know, and many of our grandpas are convinced that this president or that president or this ruler uh, throughout history has been the Antichrist or the dragon. That's clearly the, the woman and that's the beast that came out of the sea and Napoleon was this and Hitler was that and uh, John would have had no knowledge of those things. He was writing about Um, more likely if he was citing specific people at all it would have been the emperor in Rome maybe maybe that was Nero Um, we're not exactly sure which emperor like I said but um, and and again I'm not convinced that he was talking about specifics but rather a broad uh, overview of uh, heaven and earth and evil and good and using story to illustrate what God should look like to us. And that's what the function of apocalyptic literature is and why it's used here. Why did the... A good question that we can ask, though, is why did the early church leaders who put together the Bible... Now, remember, the Bible is a collection of books and letters, and poetry, and metaphor, and story, and myth that has been put together over a couple thousand years by a couple hundred different writers who didn't know each other most in most cases. And so we have what's known as the canon, which is uh, all of the, you know, it's the, the Bible smashed together into one volume so that we can sit down and and read a cohesive story from start to beginning, or from start to finish. And there was a group of people that put that together. Now, why did they put it in the order that they did? That's important. Now, I think that the Bible starts in Genesis with a poem, and it ends with, well, revelation. I mean, it's hard to put it in any other way. Do you call revelation a poem? 
No, that seems uh, that seems a little cheap. Um, do you call it uh, a prophecy? Probably not. That would seem a little strong, right? So we're somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. And regardless, I think that for me, that puts the Bible into a nice uh, bookend with creation at the beginning and a new creation at the end. Um, and remembering that the Bible is not over, we are still living it out today. God is revealing himself to all of us in different ways all the time. Um, but in terms of the actual, um, the canon, the book that we know as the Bible, that is uh, put together in a way that is structurally sound so that it is bookended on, on both sides with, um, it's pretty symbolic and literal mixed in, but some, some very symbolic stories. And those stories are important to us. It's how we make sense of the world. It's the mythology, for lack of a better term, to make sense of who God is. Now, the Bible was not written to scare us. It was written to reveal God to us, as I've said a few times now. All the way through, across writers, writing styles, and many years and events, the idea is to show us God. It's God showing himself to us. Our curse, unfortunately, is that no matter how much we study, and there are people who have studied a lot, no matter what, they always end up putting God into some sort of knowable box, some sort of definition of who God is. But by definition, that defies who God is. He is undefinable, unknowable in a full, complete sense. Yet, he wants us to try. He tries to make himself knowable and he wants us to attempt to know him. And so he gives us stories, he gives us poetry, he gives us songs. He gave us the law. He gave us heroes of faith to be examples. Maybe most important, he sent his son, I will say definitely most importantly, he sent his son to speak to us with miracles and parables, sometimes confounding parables. An example. He sent us people of faith to explain Jesus's parables and all of the scriptures and prophecies all the way through. And then we're told what the final battle scene will, quote unquote, look like. I use that term lightly because how else do you describe, well, for example, ants about floodwaters? I'm sure ants have a small concept of things like the weather and rain, but you need to put it in their words, their stories and their myths. You need to, if you're going to tell a story to ants, you need to do it in their language. And it has to be just fantastic enough to make them imagine, but grounded enough in reality to make them believe. To help them understand the imminent threat. 
again, understanding that the Bible is not here to scare us, but to put God's story into a language that we will understand. So that gives us sort of an overview of how we read the Bible in general and specifically apocalyptic literature. And I'll I'll end with this sort of hopeful note. When things feel, as they do right now, when things feel like the world is crashing down around us, remember that they have felt this way before many times to many people and God's goodness has shown through in ways that have revealed himself to us more and more. We can take comfort in that. When you feel that you are a prisoner in your own home, remember that John was in exile and God revealed himself in a way that showed many that God is in control. And also remember that Paul was a prisoner and, uh, many times and that uh, John the Baptist was a prisoner and that the people of Israel and Judah went into exile uh, and that the early Hebrews were imprisoned by Egypt and all of these people felt like the world was crashing down around them but God used that time for his glory. In this in this way the world I'm now it's tough, right? It it's tough to to look at bad things and then say like, "Well, God's in control." everything's good now like no that's not how we're supposed to to see that we're not supposed to look at the bad things and go yippee because ultimately is this coronavirus is this social isolation is this the way this the world is supposed to be no by no means god told adam and eve the same thing he tells us today life is going to be tough that we're going to have to uh, work the land and it's going to disobey. That we're going to have to give birth to new humans. Childbirth is going to be tough. I can't personally attest to that, but I I have seen uh, (laughs) the example uh, from many, many amazing people in my life and and they tell me it's pretty tough. Um, (laughs) Again, it's hard to uh, do this in podcast form and and not see the um, <laughs> you make a joke and no one laughs it's it's a little strange um, making light of a heavy thing um, but yeah life life is is gonna be tough and that's 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 the reality of it but the the bigger reality is that God is with us in those in very real ways and in ways that we can't fathom or we we can't realize until they're over. We'll we'll look back and see, oh, God was with me in this way. And I didn't see it because I was so wrapped up in all the bad things. And it's fine to be angry at all the the bad things at the the moment. You're going to come out of it realizing that, that God was faithful all the way through. Because the reality is that even though the world is tough, even though 
the work will be hard. He does not rescind the command to be fruitful and multiply. Now we often, we often uh, look at that command as more of a curse than the gift that it is. But I ask you this, would God tell us to create if he didn't want good things for us? Yeah, he gave us the gift of creating in our own image, just as we are created in his. Now, I hope that this helps in some way. I know that it won't fix everything. I know that nice words um, or even challenging words, that there's no way to just like wave a magic wand and fix everything. But I, I do hope that you are encouraged by this. And I look forward to your feedback and your questions. Um, I hope we can keep doing this. Um, even after all of this, uh, social distancing has passed. Um, I believe that it will pass. I don't know when. I don't know how. I don't know what's going to happen in the meantime. But I, I strongly believe that this too shall pass. And... Before it's done, we will have seen God in many ways, and we will continue to see God and maybe have a new appreciation for each other through it all. Okay, so that's episode one in the books. Um, As I come up with more things to say, I will continue to say them. Thanks, everybody, and stay safe out there.